the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When I think about what God did for me, when I think about what I deserve, and yet I get heaven, and I get the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, and I get the joy of the Lord, man, wow. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis primary cause of roadside accidents is aggressing aggressive driving 66 percent of traffic fatalities are caused by this kind of angry in a motor vehicle according to a recent gallup poll people are more stressed more sad and more angry than any time since they've been polling people and this is not new anger has always caused problems among god's people Because of anger, Cain killed Abel. Because of anger, Moses was banned from the promised land. Because of anger, Pharaoh lost his army. Because of anger, Saul lost his throne. Because of anger, Balaam beat his donkey. Because of anger, Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind. Because of anger, Peter cut off an ear. Because of anger, Judas ultimately betrayed Jesus. And because of anger, the Pharisees, they tried Jesus and they hung him on a cross. Maybe you can begin to understand why anger is such a big deal to Jesus. So let me just give you three things about what Jesus was telling us. First, Jesus is teaching us about the reality of anger. Look again at what he says. You've heard that it was said, taught to you long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Amen, that's right, Jesus. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother, let me just think about that. How how do you know if you're angry with a brother? Jesus was teaching us something here. You can't hide your anger. It's always going to come out. It's it's like a tube of toothpaste. When you're squeezed, that anger begins to flow out. And people begin to see it. They see it on your countenance. Some of you walked in and and somebody asked you today, what's wrong? You said, nothing. Because you just look angry. But then if you stay angry, what happens? It begins to come out of your mouth. And so he says, some of you, if you call a brother or sister Raka, you're going to answer to the court. What does Raka mean? It's it's an Aramaic word. We don't use that. You know what it means? Blockhead. (laughs) Empty, empty head. That's what it literally means. Idiot. What he's saying, when when you're talking to one who is God's creation, an an image bearer of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you talk to them in such a way that that you rob them of God's glory, man, that is sinful. And then he takes it a step further, but when that anger builds up, then you begin to talk to people and you say, you fool. Do you know what fool literally meant? Literally meant unbeliever. So, So what that was saying is, going to hell. 
I hope I can just raise, raise the offense of that statement to you. Because that flies off the lips of way too many people. Go to hell. I mean, think about what you're saying. Be forever separated from God. Be eternally tormented and punished. Jesus was saying, when, when you utter things like that, man, you, you've done about as bad as you can do. When you flip somebody off and you're saying go to hell or, or worse, whatever you mean by that, J- Jesus is saying that's a big deal. In fact, he says, you're in danger of the hell of fire. Now, what does that mean, the fire of hell? Some translations say the hell of fire. What does that mean? Well, when a person was taken to a judge, if the judge thought they were worthy of a trial, they went to a trial. And then at trial, if they were convicted, they were sentenced, just like today. And if they were sentenced, one of the sentences could be death. And if they were put to death, they were killed, and then their body was thrown on the garbage heap just outside of the city walls of Jerusalem. And do you know what that was called? Gehenna. And Jesus uses this word to Gehenna to speak of the fires of hell. This was actually the place in the Old Testament where those who worshiped the god Moloch sacrificed babies. And they would throw the babies on this burning heap of fire. And then when someone was convicted of a crime and sentenced to death, that garbage heap that had been turned into a continual burning fire pit, their body was thrown on that. And Jesus was saying, guys, when, when you let this inside take such control of you that it comes out on the outside, man, you're in danger of really being messed up. He's not downplaying murder. He's demonstrating the root cause of all murder, the heart. I just want to remind you, the heart of the human problem, it's still the problem of the human heart. Whatever happens externally is always a reflection of what's going on internally. So I did some research. In 2022, there were 48 murders in Tampa. It's actually pretty high. Puts us above the national average. What if we recorded the incidents of anger? I wonder how many that would be. When I ask it that way, you can see that Jesus is leveling the playing field. He's reminding us that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're all in a mess of trouble apart from Jesus. See, what happens is when we look at others, we we judge their actions. I can't believe you did that to me. But when we judge ourselves, (laughs) we judge our motives. You following me? Let me say that again. When, When you judge others, you judge their actions. He hurt me. She took this from me. But when we judge ourselves, we want, we want our motives to be what's questioned. I didn't mean that that way. Oh, you misunderstood me. Oh, you took that wrong. And Jesus is saying, no, what's on the outsides coming from the inside. I love how Dallas Willard describes this. He says, actions do not emerge from nothing. They faithfully reveal what is in the heart. That's true of me, you, and everybody who's ever lived. So anger is normal. It's a powerful emotion, but it can become sinful, just like other things God's given us. So I know what time it is. Some of you are getting hungry right now. Hunger is a natural feeling, right? But it can be turned sinful if it becomes gluttony. 
God has created us as man and woman with the opportunity to enjoy sexual intimacy. That's a gift from God, but that can become sinful when it turns to fornication or adultery. And Jesus is saying this natural motion of anger, when, it's, when it takes place outside of the righteousness of God, it is wrong. It's like murder. And some of you are guilty of character assassination. That's why in Ephesians, in verse 26, it says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Oh, Christ follower, hear me. Do not give the devil a foothold in your life. Do not fight, invite the enemy to have a room at your house. Don't give him a seat at your table. Did you know before you come in here every week, there's a group of men that meet with me and we pray. There's other people that come into this room and pray and there's people that are praying during the service. And you know one of the things they're praying? They're praying that God would post guard on this campus and each of the campuses of our church so that when when people come onto this campus with sinful activity in their life, that God would prevent that from becoming a foothold for us and keeping us from what he wants us to have. And yet some of you, man, you... You've invited the enemy in and you're living with this thing called anger. And it becomes sinful. How does it become sinful? Well, one big way is we stuff it. We stuff it down. We just think about how mad we are. We think we're keeping it to ourselves, but man, we're just shaking our head when we walk around. What are you shaking your head at? Nothing. We're just stuffing it down and we're planting a seed. And that seed of bitterness begins to grow and it begins to take root. And all of a sudden, that buried anger becomes bitterness. Like someone said, anger is an acid that can do more harm in the vessel into which it is stored than anything into which it is poured. You know what that means? It hurts you more. That's why I've always liked that quote that was so meaningful to me. About 20 years ago, I was sitting on the back row of the church and I was struggling with bitterness. And I heard someone say that that bitterness is a poison that I was drinking while I was waiting for somebody else to die. Some of you are in that same category. We stuff it down. But here's the problem. No matter how hard we stuff it down, eventually it will come out. And so we spew it out. Proverbs 29, 11 says, Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Jesus is saying there's always a progression. Anger always progresses. And it always leads to pain. Jesus was teaching us about the reality of anger, but Jesus was also teaching us the results of anger. Because when he talks about leaving the gift at the altar, he's saying, hey, this thing is such a big deal that it has messed things up in your life. And so you're coming to worship, thinking you're going to worship God, but you can't worship God. Why? We've already learned this. Because you can't be right vertically if you're not right horizontally. So he's saying you can't worship God right at the altar if things aren't right with your brother or sister at the table. So notice what he says. He says, go make things right. Anger's a relationship killer. Years ago, I, I saw that Bono said, we must be careful in our efforts to confront the monster, not to ourselves become the monster. And some of us have, we become angry monsters. And the sin of anger ruins our relationships. So I just want to remind you before I give you this last thing, and anger tears down when we should be building up. Anger makes us victims when we should be victors. Anger makes us bound when we were created to live free. And anger makes us outsiders rather than insiders in the family of God.
So Jesus teaches us about the reality of anger. He teaches us about the results of anger. Then he teaches us how to respond to anger. So let's look again at verse 24. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. And then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly. Jesus was teaching us the principle of reconciliation. He was teaching us what Paul would remind the church at Rome in Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Is that your desire? Do you do that? Do you live to be reconciled with other people to to make a difference in your little corner of the world by being an ambassador of reconciliation? You can't have that right relationship with God at the altar unless you've got that relationship right with your brothers and sisters. It's a big deal. Jesus was saying, okay, cool. You're going through the motions of worship? All right. But it's not making the impact. That's why, oh, church, when, when I hear somebody say, well, I, I go to that church or I go to worship and I, I just don't feel anything. I don't, I don't feel like it's making a difference. The first thing I always say is, have you done a heart check? Have you held up the mirror of God's word to your life? Is there unconfessed sins or relationships that are not right in you? Because those things will keep you, according to the lips of Jesus, those things will keep you from being able to worship the way you desire. Jesus is saying, stop going through the motions. Start living out your faith. You got to decide what you're going to be known for. Retribution? I'll get them back. Or reconciliation? Are you going to be known as a fighter? You're going to be known for forgiveness. And you know what we do, particularly people that are kind of wired like me. I mean, I can be high strung, I'm type A personality. I have what we call red energy. I mean, I've done all the personality tests. And all those personality tests, it comes out the same way. I, I'm, I'm intense. And so for a lot of my life, I would just say, hey, I'm not mad. I'm just, I, I, I'm just a fighter. And we justify or we excuse those things in our life that are sinful. And Jesus says, Enough. In fact, let's go back to James. In James chapter 4, the half-brother of Jesus says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they not come from your desires that battle within you? You hear what he's saying? You know what every fight you've ever been in have in common? You! You were a part of them. Every one of them. And Jesus says, you got to deal with that. Consequently, he said, you need to take initiative. Now, I love what it says in this passage. Jesus says, if, if, you, um, if you bring a gift to the altar, but someone is offended at you, go to them. That's not the way some of you read it. Because I know. He, he doesn't say, if you are offended at someone. In fact, sometimes people will come to me and uh, it's okay, I I receive it. Sometimes people just want to clear their conscience, but but they'll say, hey, Brother Paul, I just need to let you know I've been offended at you. Okay, (laughs) bring it on, let me have it. That's fine, and sometimes that can bring relational healing. That's not what's prescribed in Scripture. That's cleaning your conscience. What's prescribed in Scripture is if you know someone's offended at you, you're supposed to take the initiative. You're supposed to go to them and say, what can I do to make this right? Why? Because as a follower of Jesus, man, I don't have a choice. I've got to do everything I can to be at peace with all people. So I love what I was taught by Life Action years ago. They were here at our church in 2019, and and they were talking about right relationships, and they said, you know, you may not agree with someone about why they're offended at you, 
But you still can take the initiative. And you may even say that. You can go to them and say, hey, you and I may never agree on what you're upset about. But I've got good news. I'm way worse than you think. Y'all okay out there? Yeah, I've done way worse than you think I've done. So I just want you to know I'm sorry. That's pretty awesome. I applied that in, in these years in between there. On one occasion, I applied that, and man, I was just really working to make a relationship right that was not right. And I, I remember going and saying almost exactly those words, hey, man, I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to see eye to eye on what you feel like I've done. It's because I, I feel different on that. But here's the deal. I'm way worse than you think. Man, if you knew my heart like God knows my heart, you just need to know I, I need a lot of help. And so here's what I want to say to you. I'm sorry. I, I want to be right with you. And in that case, you know what the person did? They said, don't you think for a minute that just because you're having a revival down at the church, I'm going to forgive you. I'm not ready to do that yet. But here's the question. Had I done everything I could to be at peace in that situation? You better believe it. So what do I do? I have to leave that, not let that become bitterness in my heart, and I have to move forward. Why? Because I'm told to initiate it. And I'm told to do that, he says, immediately, as quick as I can, because the consequences can get worse. So I'm going to ask a couple questions and wrap this up. This really is something that applies to all of us. So what needs to change in you? Not because of what Pastor Paul said, but because of the Word of God. What in you needs to change so that your relationship with the Lord is better than it was when you walked in? And what can you do to help bring about change in your little corner of the world? I'm going to answer that one for you. You can become a minister of reconciliation. You can become an ambassador who helps reconcile others to God and to one another. There's this great passage in 2 Corinthians, beginning in chapter 5, verse 17. Just listen to the Word of God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Him, himself in, in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. Aren't you thankful that because of the cross of Calvary, Jesus does not count our sins against us? That's a big deal. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, how do I, how do I apply that daily? I want to make this as easy as possible. I want to give you nine words you need to insert into your regular vocabulary. You ready? Get a pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, Crayola, your thumb, something. You want to record this. Don't miss it. You want to get these down. Nine words. Make these nine words a regular part of your vocabulary. I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. All right, now we're going to practice. You ready? On the count of three, we're going to say these nine words. You ready? One, two, three. I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Now, I grew up with a show called Happy Days, and the main character was Fonzie, and he had this problem. He could not say, I'm sorry. He would always go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He just couldn't get it out. And I know I can see everybody. You, some of you were like that. You, you just can't say that. So we're going to practice it one more time. One, two, three. I was wrong. I am sorry. 
please forgive me. Man, if you begin to apply these into your life, I believe God will help make you a minister of reconciliation. But there's some practical things you can do to also help control anger. There's some things you should never do. For example, never call people names. Never do this. Jesus, Jesus even gave us that as an example. So stop it. I can remember as a child, you know, people would make fun of other kids and what would we say? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But they hurt every time. And you would go, you don't know, believe what they just called me. Don't call people names. Number two, never raise your voice. Not in an argument. It just doesn't help. It doesn't communicate what you're trying to communicate. And by the way, you can do that in text too. People text me in all caps. I'm sick of it. It's like, I'm like, why are you angry? Don't text me in all caps. Don't do it. Never get historical. Yeah, I meant historical, not hysterical. Because some of you do that in your arguments. You're like, well, remember when you did this, and remember when you did that, and remember when they did this, and remember when they did that, and you're historical. Stop it. Never say never or always. You never do this. You always do that. Stop it. If you're married, never threaten divorce. That's never an option. And this last one's really important, especially today. Never quote the pastor in a fight. Just don't do it. Well, you know what the pastor said. What I'm trying to tell you is stop justifying and excusing what Jesus calls sin. That passage in Ephesians says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as God in Christ forgave you. What does it say get rid of? All of it. Say all. All. You know what all means in that ancient language? All. This is not complicated. By the way, that's your verse for next week. Ephesians 4.32. Let's say it together. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Let's learn that verse for next week. And that's our why. That's why we deal with these things this way. Did you catch it? Because God forgave us. I mean, did you hear what we sang earlier? When I, when I think about what God did for me, when I think about the grace and the mercy that God has shown me, when I think about what I deserve, and yet I get heaven, and I get the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, and I get the joy of the Lord, man, wow. God reconciles us to himself. And that's always been his way. In fact, that's what it says in Exodus 34, early in the book. Moses is talking with God and God says this. He passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. And then notice what it says next. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Even God is slow to anger, but he had to punish sin. And that's the key. On the cross, Jesus took your anger. He took the wrath of God on your behalf. The New Testament calls that propitiation. The wrath of God poured out on Jesus for you and me. We have an enemy 
The Bible says he's roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. If I were the devil, I think I know how I would try to steal joy and kill dreams and destroy lives. I think I would divide families. I would divide friends. I would divide churches. I would distract them from their mission. I would discredit their witness by making them argue, keeping them angry. I would give them critical spirits, and I would keep them ticked off at the world. So here's my challenge to you. Don't fall for the schemes of the enemy when you have the hope of the gospel. Be reconciled to God and be ambassadors. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.